Hi guys, uh, welcome back to Beer Buddies. I know I haven't put anything out in a bit here. Um, Jordan and I have been, both of us, kind of grinding it out, uh, finishing up some uh, loose ends, if you will, kind of picking up the last little pieces of our degrees. His DMA from University of Oklahoma, and my master's from Sacramento State. So it's been a kind of a busy spring. Um, if you ask Jordan, that's an understatement. He's insanely busy. So we haven't put anything out in a little bit. So uh, today I was thinking about a topic and it just kind of occurred to me. It's kind of an outlier. I'm not, uh, it's not a very popular topic with a lot of beer drinkers. It's it's getting to be, which I'm, I'm really happy for. But um, today I wanted to just kind of talk about lagers. And uh, maybe this will be a topic we can revisit when we get uh, Miles and Logan and Jordan back here uh, to discuss a little bit more. I know they all have their own opinions and uh, some input, especially Jordan uh, has been reading up on these uh, quite a bit lately. But I just want to put out something so you guys don't feel like we're leaving you hanging. You know, so today I'm going to start off by cracking open a beer that I purchased on a recent trip up north. And when I say up north, I mean a west coast on the west coast. So uh, this would be uh, Rainier Mountain Fresh Naturally Brewed uh, Lager. It's kind of like a local Seattle Budweiser, if you will. It's kind of what it tastes like. It's kind of how I explain it to people if they've never had it before. A lot of people haven't even heard of this. Uh, but it's like a, a local, like a North Coast uh, lager. Uh, I found it a couple of years ago when I was up in Seattle working. I uh, found it quite refreshing, delicious. So I recently was up north. I brought a case home, uh, as funny as that would be. If you know me, you understand. So this topic... Um, the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because we usually talk about ales on this channel. We're usually talking about IPAs or stouts, porters, whatever. Um, we don't come across a lot of loggers uh, that we talk about on the podcast. So if you know, this is kind of some in insider knowledge. We have a, a questionnaire for people that want to join our, or used to be our top secret growler gang meetup. We'd, every two months we'd meet up and drink a growler of uh, something good. We had different roles. People would bring in stuff. We had uh, guided tastings. We had all kinds of fun activities we would do. One of the questions on this questionnaire to join that club would be, what are the two types of beer? Now, most people don't realize that there are really two families of beer, even though there's many, many, many versions of each family tree, I guess each branch of the family tree out there. Ales would be one and lagers would be other, but we don't usually talk about lagers. So normally... Uh, this sounds kind of counter counterintuitive. Uh, once I start going through the list of loggers that I've tried or ones I've you know been around most of my life, most of the time for the smaller breweries, the reason why you don't see us talk about it on this podcast, we do like to tend to uh, you know pick up craft beer or support local craft beer uh, producers. They don't usually make loggers because they're usually um, difficult to make, uh, require very uh, very high quality ingredients. Uh, the process is very tedious, and it's also very energy-intensive. So, lagers, the difference, um, the main difference between lagers and ales would be the cold fermentation. So, you've got a, a different strain of yeast or different types of yeast that they like to use um, that normally ferment on the bottom of the fermentation tank and somewhere around 35 to 42 degrees Fahrenheit, I believe, off the top of my head. Uh, which is different from uh, ales, which in, in, you can make an ale in your closet. They like to ferment around 65 to 70 degrees, I guess, 72 degrees maybe. So 
you can see a very small, um, if it's a very small shop, you know, like a five to 10 barrel shop, they're not going to usually have the capital free to make a lager just for fun because, uh, you know, the whole point of having a brewery is to make money. Ales are a lot cheaper and easier to make. Um, hops cover up a lot of the imperfections. You can buy cheaper, uh, you know, grain and, and hops and all that. With lagers, it's a little bit more difficult because they're isn't as much of a hoppiness to them so any any grain imperfection will come out anything weird with the yeast will come out so they're filtered so they're very very crisp and clean um, doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room or anywhere to really hide anything so uh, not, I guess not only the capital but the, the skill of the brewmaster has to be quite high uh, to pull off a lager pretty well but I'm starting to see more uh, around town actually so um, my first lager of the day here, I have two on deck here. Uh, the first one is, uh, you know, kind of a big boy. They're not a craft brewery. Rainier's considered a big-time brewery, even though they really only distribute to the Northwest. Uh, Similar like Olympia and Hams. Um, it's kind of along those lines. Kind of like this old 50s style. Um, it's still kicking. What I am seeing around town, though, is more uh, lagers being produced here around, you know, Northern California. And then I'm seeing a little bit of variation on brew techniques. Like uh, one of my favorite beers I keep finding, I think it's a yearly release. Um, and I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's a triple India Pale Lager. So it's basically a hopped lager. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of dry hopped lagers around town um, or an India Pale Lager, like, you know, an extra hop lager. I've even seen things like uh, cold fermented colchis. Uh, starting to pop up this year, which I'm very excited to try. Um, this, you know, this this whole thing. I think Jordan's the one that quoted it. Um, the it's poetic chemistry, right? So it's chemistry, but there's a lot of art form. There's a lot of creativity behind a lot of these recipes these days, and that's something I'm really happy to see. So, if you're still not really sure what a lager is, even after saying you know like Olympia Hams, if you're not familiar with those brands. I tried to, to make a list, like a short list, and it ended up being a pretty long list of some brands that you might uh, know. So, you know, common lagers are like Budweiser, Coors, Natural Ice, uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon, which I've also had Old Style, which is very good. That's back east. Miller, Corona, Michelob, Labatt Blue, Molson's, even though Molson's is gross, Keystone, um, said Hams, Olympia, Strohs, Schlitz, Yingling, uh, I think, I think the style or the the it's actually a specific style of lager that Jordan and I both really like, and it kind of probably put me on this train here, halfway. Um, and I say halfway because I have a little bit more of a story to get into later, but uh, the Vienna Lager style is something that Jordan and I tried a couple of years back. Uh, there was a app where you could buy beer shipments. They you know you go through the app and they got single bottles and you put together a box. And they mail it to you once a month. Uh, very dangerous for people like us because I think we spent we each spent like over a hundred bucks, and we said, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta call it." You know, this is this gets expensive fast. But one of the beers that we both purchased was a Vienna Lager from uh, the East Coast, and we were both blown away about how balanced it was. Uh, you're thinking German lagers usually have a little bit higher uh, malt content, maybe a little. Uh, sweeter uh, compared to the American styles are more, you know, just a clean finish, really smooth and light. That was a, a nice, pleasant surprise to have a, a little bit of a hot bite, um, a little bit of a malt, 
presence there, but it kind of balanced. And I think a really close, um, if you want to get something really close to that, but not quite, I wouldn't say it's quite close, but like thinking like a Boston Lager, where it does have a little bit of a hoppy bite to it. Um, the malt profile is a little different. I think like a very well-balanced Boston Lager, um, but a little bit lighter because Boston's kind of more of an amber. Uh, but that's kind of our first, my first go, at least, into um, craft lagers, which is pretty exciting. So some of the other craft lagers that you might have seen here, uh, if you're listening on, on the West Coast, or if you're in you know North America in general, uh, Sierra Nevada has a summer lager that's pretty good. Um, Fort Rock Brewing has the Folsom Damn Good Pilsner, which is actually award-winning beer. Uh, we just talked about uh, Boston Lager, Sam Adams. You can get that anywhere in uh, America, pretty much. Um, Urban Roots has a great lager, which is the second lager that I picked up for today. Um, they have a couple of different lagers they put out, usually around you know, Oktoberfest. Um, this one is just called Hell. Um, it's a German-style Helles lager. Uh, Helles lagers are pretty amazing in their own. They're very, very light lagers. Uh, not quite a Pilsner, a um, little different, but another German style that we both appreciate. Um, you know, New Glory, Track 7, Altamont, these places make great lagers. You can pick them up pretty frequently in the stores. Um, Humble Sea recently, I saw a Pilsner from them. I, I grabbed a can because, um, you know, I had you put together a four-pack of some IPAs in the store and, and thought, what the hell, and it actually turned out to be pretty good. Um, let's see here. What's really interesting with lagers... Um, there's a lot of advertisement for a lot of the American brands, uh, Budweiser, Coors, Miller, you see those all the time, but a lot of the kind of the smaller regional loggers you don't see a lot of advertisement for. Uh, the people in the area just know it from family history. They know it from, you know, themselves growing up in the area and, and being exposed to it at bars and restaurants. Um, you know, it's, it's... It's like the, the home team, if you will. Like uh, Rainier in Seattle, is it's kind of like the home team beer. Uh, there's a couple other beers like that. Another interesting um, tidbit of knowledge I got actually from my grandfather, who uh, I think we've referred to him a couple times in this podcast, who used to deliver beer all over the Midwest. Uh, he drove a truck and, and got to meet all kinds of brewmasters and uh, you know business people related to different breweries that aren't around anymore, some that are huge now that used to be tiny. Um uh, something that he mentioned to me and it, it, it stuck out to me ever since um at least here on the west coast we have a big fan base for pabst blue ribbon uh, a lot of restaurants and bars downtown have uh you know deals on it for concerts or for you know certain nights of the week mm. sorry i'm trying to balance talking to you guys and then drinking this rainier lager it's pretty good hmm I did just have a birthday, so maybe I'm an old man now. But Pass Blue Ribbon has had no advertising. Yet, everyone over 21 knows what PBR is, right? Pass Blue Ribbon. Which to me is pretty uh, insane. It's just kind of this Pilsner culture or lager culture um, that most people just kind of take for granted. Like most people just like, yeah, oh yeah, I'll have a Budweiser, whatever. I know what that is. Uh, a lot of these types of beers, people call them like, you know, old man beers or old-style beers, or just a regular beer. Like someone says, oh, I just like regular beer. They usually mean a lager. Whether or not they realize what that style of beer is or why they like it or what the taste is, they have no idea. It's just, it's just what they like. 
So even though we haven't discussed it much on this podcast, it's a pretty common style. Uh, considering, you know, most people, their experience with beer is like a lager. These, these big brands have figured out how to make this beer cheap, and that's the reason why you can get, you know, a 12-pack of Paps for 9 or 10 bucks at the store usually, you know. So you're talking less than a dollar for a 12-ounce can versus, like, you know, if you go to a craft Pilsner, uh, you're probably talking 5 $6 for a pint, you know. So it's just, uh, I guess, uh, high-volume production. There you go. But another interesting fact, something I found, uh, I guess, interesting, like I just said, talking to my grandfather, uh, lagers didn't used to be this strong. And I say this strong is like a modern lager and even like a light beer, like if you get like a Bud Light or like a Pilsner, um, you're still talking four and a half to five percent. So five percent is pretty standard. And that's kind of what the, you know, you talk to any... I mean, have police authoritative um, figure talking about the ABV limits for people, um, like you know how many you can have in, in a certain time period. They're usually referencing a five percent beer, like a like a Budweiser. That's what most people drink, or you know, a glass of wine or a shot. So it's interesting that we have this five percent now because um, back in the fifties and sixties, uh, beer was about three percent. Uh, you know, three percent was enough. Um, we started getting four and five percent beers, and I was telling my grandfather about some of the ones that Jordan and I drank that are upwards of 14, 15 percent now. And uh, he had experience doing that once when he was younger. He said he fell out of his chair, I believe. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're not expecting it. You're used to a three percent beer. Um, another fun fact: uh, they had Sunday beers uh, back in the 50s and 60s. A Sunday beer was only one and a half percent. So I couldn't imagine. I mean. I forget what the alcohol content is on our, our non-alcoholic beers that we have these days. It's less than a percent, but that's, I mean, basically, it's, you're drinking uh, bubbly wort. You know, it's not much there compared to modern stuff. It's just a little history I thought you guys might think was interesting. Um, you know, some of these higher octane beers is how I refer to them because it's kind of true. Um, you know, like a lot of these IPAs and stuff now are, you know, singles, 5 6 7%. So, oh, man. I just need to take a second to sip this beer. Oh. Oh, yeah. So it's getting to be, uh, you know, we, we're in our second summer or first summer maybe in uh, Northern California where it gets kind of warm in the spring. I think we're set to be in the 80s this week. Uh, it's 77 outside and uh, a little warm. Not used to this yet. But I'll tell you what, day like today, sitting out by the pool or sitting out in my uh, podcast patio, which is not where I'm at today, unfortunately. I'm, I'm inside. Um, it's a little bit noisy outside today. But, uh, you know, being out in the podcast patio, sipping a lager on a medium warm day, it's just one of the most refreshing things. Uh, like I said, sitting by the pool. Uh, fun story, working on cars, right? Um, I've got mechanic friends that used to say, uh, you know, I'd, I'd ask them for help or working on a car. They'd ask me what it was, what the job was, and they say, oh, that's a that's a three-beer job. That'll take three beers. I was like, what, well, you want me to pay you in three beers? He's like, no, 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 you'll pay me, and then I need three beers because it's going to take me the amount of time to fix your car that it would take me to drink three beers. And I always thought that was interesting. It's like a time measurement. But then I started, you know, after high school, 
uh, early 20s, I was working on my own cars. I got a little bit more knowledgeable. And uh, my friends and I would have what we called car days or car parties at my parents' old house. We all drove these old Hondas. They'd show up. It'd be like a clutch swap or like we'd change the transmission or someone needed a CV axle change because those go out every two years on a Honda. Um, they would usually buy like a 30-pack and there'd be three or four people that come over and uh, they would sit and drink beer and watch me work on their cars. Or on the really hot summer days when I was doing it by myself, I had a couple of PBRs. Excuse me, PBRs are one of my go-tos. Um, <clears throat> just on a hot day, you're working hard. Um, just really refreshing. It's like nothing else beats it. Um, I've heard from my experience in the wedding industry, um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of these uh, more uh, rural or, or rustic family gatherings, they refer to uh, like a Bud Light or a Coors Light as like a, they call it cowboy water. Um, I'd have to agree. In the right circumstances, uh, it's extremely refreshing, you know, and partially hydrating. I was actually trying to convince uh, a student at Sac State that was graduating with me. We were both trying to figure out our senior projects at the time, juniors or seniors. And we referenced a senior project that was a hybrid project between a mechanical engineer and a biology student where they studied the um, evolution and biomechanics of like a bat wing and how the bat flies. And I said, hey, it's not a bad idea. Go find like a nursing student. And team up with them and see how long, you know, you can live off of Coors Light. And, you know, how close is it to being, you know, like a saline fluid or like a, like a homeostasis uh, situation. How long could you live on a deserted island if you just had Coors Light, right? You know, a week or two, would it get you through? Because it does have some uh, vitamins and minerals in it, some electrolytes. Very, very little, but they're there, you know. So, Maybe one day. He, he decided to do something else. I forget what it was, but it was much more interesting. Mm. <sighs> but in these warmer days to come, I, uh, I've got a new car now. I don't have to work on my car anymore, thankfully, but also I kind of do miss it. But I've traded in for uh, working on my guitars. And I, I tend to do that out in the podcast patio when it's nice out. Um, currently got some modifications for one of my Stratocasters uh, lined up, and it's going to be kind of bonkers. I'm trying to figure out an avenue or a way to share my guitar builds somehow, like a YouTube channel or like a blog or something, because I've got some pretty cool ones. Uh, but I'll probably be uh, defaulting to uh, sipping a couple of loggers, like some you know Paps Blue Ribbon or some Coors Lights while I'm working, you know? Just... Uh, a nice, cold, crisp, refreshing drink. You know what? There was one po- topic I didn't want to talk about. It. Um, I think I skipped over it, unfortunately. So we have to rewind back to PBR. This is kind of what got me going on uh, um, the, the Vienna Lager and then going back to um, some of these other more common lagers you see in the grocery store. The Vienna Lager opened my eyes that Pilsners and lagers can be, you know, just as craft as any IPA or stout or whatever, right? So I went back, um, I tried Budweiser. It's actually pretty good beer. Um, it may or may not be because I took the free factory tour in Fairfield. 
where they give you a Budweiser and they make you watch this promotional video. And I'm, it, you know, full disclosure, it might have brainwashed me, and that's totally fine because now Budweiser tastes great. No complaints. Um, the other part of that, though, is like, you know, learning why lagers taste the way they do, learning how they're made helped me kind of understand the, the art form, if you will. You know, if you, one of the great things about most lagers is that there are still some subtle details to them if you know where to look. And I, I'm kind of thankful for this, this process or this journey that Jordan and I have gone through, uh, tasting all these different beers that we've tasted and flying all over and, you know, the Growler Gang meetups and all of that. Um, it's kind of helped expand the sensitivity of my taste buds, maybe. Kind of expanded my palate a little bit. So, like, you know, things like food and other beverages like wine taste better. Uh, but I can also now taste the subtleties in uh, a lot of the lagers, especially the craft lagers. Huge difference. You can really, really tell. Uh, you know, a lot of the ingredients are, are very subtle in most lagers, but like a PBR, you can tell the difference between that and a Budweiser. Budweiser is technically a rice lager, which I, I realize now I've omitted a bunch of the uh, Japanese lagers that I've tried, like uh, Kirin Asahi, Sapporo, you know, those are, those are common ones. Uh, rice lagers, where they're a little bit more refreshing, but still full-bodied, you know, when compared to a Pilsner. So, just uh, food for thought. It's it's not, I mean, a lot of people buy, you know, cheap lagers just because they, they want to have beer for a barbecue. Or, you know, it's just cheap. They just, you know, got a party, got some friends over, they want to spend a bunch of money on craft beer. Because I, I do that for... Um, a couple of the gatherings I go to here and there regularly, and it, it does add up quite a bit. But don't fret, because if you know where to look, loggers have plenty of detail. They have their own subtle complexities if you take the time to uh, appreciate them, especially, uh, you know, pour it in a glass. Leave it a nice pour, a little bit of uh, uh, mixing of that oxygenation, the air mixing in, a little bit of foam. Um, it really opens up these beers. I know a lot of times you drink them in a can or a bottle, and it feels weird for me to pour Pabst into a glass, but you might be surprised. So, yeah, that's about all I have for you today. Just a short one. I, I do have some good news for you guys that uh, maybe in the next few weeks, Jordan and I, our schedules kind of calm down a bit. We might have... Uh, Miles on a podcast uh, here and there. We got some cool episodes planned. Um, I got some things coming out here in the, in the spring and early summer that you guys are going to enjoy, and hopefully you enjoy this this good audio quality that we have now. Uh, you know, I just <laughs> I get more people listening to the podcast, and they talk to me about like, oh yeah, it's it's cool. You guys are talking about beer, and I say, like, oh, did it sound good or did it sound bad? And like, oh, it sounded either, you know, good or bad, whatever they say. And I can tell if they listen to the newest episode or if they've gone back to actually episode one or two and tried to listen from the beginning. Uh, I apologize. It's worth the journey. I promise. Um, but things will keep getting better and better. So stay tuned, guys. And uh, cheers. <laughs>